Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection of relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark. And I'm Christian Harden. We're so glad you joined us. All right, so welcome back again to Coffee and Conversations. Super excited for the reboot, Christian. Here we are. It's back. Oh, you're actually drinking coffee. I am. Oh, man. Two o'clock. I'm drinking tea. Sorry about that. Two o'clock. Yeah, it's black like Star Wars was, except it didn't go too well. So (laughs) hopefully this goes a lot better. I hope this goes a lot better. The reboot. So we did take a six-month break, a hiatus, if you will. But um, I did hear some people that were like, hey, when's the next one? So um, we knew that we were supposed to do it. We just... uh, we were just out of content. No, I'm just kidding. We were just didn't have anything else to talk about. No, we, we um, we've been busy. We've been busy, and that's a good thing. I'm so glad to see what uh, God's doing right now. But we have I have a great friend um, of quite a few years of knowing John Gagney, um, who's calling in because he's not here in Tennessee. Nope, he is uh, not even in the southeast. Mm. John, where are you calling from? I am calling from Massachusetts. Um, are you in Rehoboth or Swansea? Where are you at right now? So I'm physically sitting in Swansea, and that's where the okay. church is, but I live in Rehoboth, and it's one town over. Yep, just throw a rock. Beautiful area. Throw a rock. I love that. I love going yep. up there. As a matter of fact, we're doing another visit. My wife and I were just talking about, hey, we need to plan our next trip. Let's. We need to talk about yep. that. So I think I think next summer, look for us. We'll set, the, we'll set the interviews up. Just let us know. Set the interviews <laughs> up. Let's go. I love it. That's what your listeners want to hear. <laughs> so, yeah. So, John, so, so excited just to um, have you kind of share your story today with our listeners. I think, um, I think everybody comes from different places, and you have so many different aspects that are part of your story, your journey, that I think yeah. are just going to touch people. So um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where, you're, where you come from, where you grew up, what life was like, and uh, how you ended up where you're at now. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, a city called Attleboro, Massachusetts, which is about 10 minutes north of Providence, Rhode Island, if you're looking on a map. Um, you just take 95 north and you keep heading up 95 and then you go through Rhode Island and then the first city in Massachusetts up 95 is Attleboro. Uh, so I, I spent you know most of my um, actually growing up years there. I, I moved there when I was 10 um, and then graduated high school there. So middle school and high school primarily. Um, and so that's where also our church was and where um, I got involved in church and youth group and got saved in that church. And so uh, so I usually tell people I grew up in Attleboro, Massachusetts, and and part of growing up there, it was interesting. It was it was a very multicultural city, um, just because of where it lands um, between Providence and Boston, um, and so I grew up in a large high school, um, and went to a public high school, and then um, but was very involved in a youth group, and we had for the Northeast a very um, what we considered a large youth group. Um, our high school mm-hmm. was about 80 students. Um, which I know in the South, it's like 80, like that's, that's a small group. Um, um, but in, in, the, in the Northeast, um, yeah. still a, a youth group of 80 in the Northeast is still considered a great size youth group. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's starting to shift a little bit with what the Lord is doing. Um, but for the most part, um, the, a youth group of 80 is probably the average size of a regular size church yeah. in New England. Um, never mind a youth group. So, um, so we grew up in a great youth group, uh, as, as, um, we went on a lot of missions trips and I felt, uh, just a strong, 
um, burden for ministry um, by going on these mission trips and clearly heard and sensed the Lord bringing me in that direction. Um, one of the one of the things that really um, impacted my life personally and my family's life, um, and even our church, um, was uh, when I was when I was in high school, um, my freshman year. My mom and I went to a a winter camp with our youth group, um, and where you know we were like ice skating and playing hockey and mm. snow tubing and skiing and that kind of stuff. And the same week, my twin brother. And my dad went on a bus trip down to Pensacola, Florida to visit the Brownsville Revival. Mm. So we went in opposite directions. I went north, he went south. Um, on that trip for myself, when I was up at this camp, there was something I sensed the Lord doing in me and was shifting my perspective of what it meant to be a Christian. Um, on that trip, I clearly distinctly remember the Lord, like the Holy Spirit starting to convict me and challenge me on some different areas mm. aspects of my life um, at like, you know, 16, 17 years old. And um, and it was very, very like real to me. Um, and I didn't know that simultaneously my twin brother and my dad are down in Pensacola with a group from the church getting wrecked in what we now know as the Brownsville Revival. Um, and, um, and he came back, we came back like on the same day. Um, and he goes in his room, he starts throwing out all his music and ripping <laughs> posters off the wall and like doing the Holy ghost cleaning out of the house, yes. you know? Yep. And, and I'm like, what is going on here? And we start watching videos of the, what was happening. I'm watching these videos of these services and like, it's like the Lord is just gut punching the whole time. Um, and it was soon after, um, I really got serious with the Lord, um, and I just started seeking Him. And I remember being at the altar one day. I'm like 17 years old at the altar on a Sunday morning, like standing there by myself and just like crying out, "My God, I know there's got to be more." And then mm. oof, He just baptizes me in the Spirit, um, and uh, and I just started moving in you know full force into what um, the Lord had for me. Of course, as a teenager, you're like working that kind of stuff out as well. But we um, then we started once or twice a year going forward started visiting um rounds of revival and that really started to affect um not just how i saw myself in the lord but something that he was doing inside of me um and so um that really shaped um even a lot of who i am today was a lot of the things i experienced in that environment um and and then so upon growing up again our youth group it was really impacted by it as well a bunch of us would go on a trip um, we'd go down there and be like seven or eight of our youth leaders. Um, it just so happened that maybe we were leading because of this, but we would be down there and God would just be wrecking us. And then our youth group just, it was already big to begin with, but then it just became lit with the presence of God. And next thing you know, we're like leading worship for youth conferences and rallies. And mm. um, our, our, our youth worship team is invited to be to play all the, these different places all over New England um, because the Lord was clearly doing something in our youth group. Um, and so, and, and what I love is that our youth pastor who not didn't experience any of that, um, and I don't know, <laughs> I still don't even know till today how um, <laughs> how much of a revival enthusiast he was. Um, I think huh. that he looked at, I still, yeah, and even till today, I actually, I have a relationship with him even today. Um, he's He now teaches at um, one of the local Christian schools that my kids are going to. Um, and uh, he left pastoring a church and now is teaching um, Bible and he's the head of spiritual 
uh, life and, and stuff for this Christian school. Um, and I still talk to him about it sometimes. And, like, I don't think he would have ever gotten on the bus and go, got, gone down there. Hmm. Um, but it clearly impacted him because he saw what it, it did in the youth that went. Yeah. And I think that he could not deny the fruit of it. Even looking at me, like my life, like was radically transformed. Um, wow. And so I he actually, it's so funny. A couple months ago, I had this conversation with him and he said, like, um, I still don't know about everything that happened down there. But one thing I do know is I saw what the Lord did in your life because of it. And I couldn't deny that God was moving. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and it made an impact in our church and in our youth group. And so, so I kind of grew up in that environment with like just an awesome, like solid youth group with an amazing um, youth pastor who um, is a great teacher and um, great in relationship. Yeah. And so, um, and, and so I just remember then moving from that into Bible school, you know, and just, um, and the Bible school was local. And then I should have probably gone to Brownsville right away. I actually would have been in school with you if I did. Yeah, that's um, true. And so, but I, I actually just missed you, um, which anyway, I'll, I'll go, but we can go into that later if you want, because that actually was a very important part of my story. But um, yeah, yeah. so I, again, I grew up here in New England um, and the Lord has always put something inside of me um for revival in new england like like a, a deep 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 passion to see new england experience revival yeah. um and that that always stayed with me and so no matter where i went no matter where i traveled to on a missions trip or where i moved to or whatever it was like no matter what my heart was for new england to see this place like burn for Jesus again. Um, yeah. And uh, I know, uh, you know, there's probably, I run into folks here and there, but we're talking 20 years now since that revival kind of yeah. culminated, came to an end, yeah. so to speak. And um, yeah. you run into folks and, and I still, I look back at the generations that I, I went to school with or the ones that came right after and um, some of those class reunions or Facebook groups. And those people are marked um, I, I see some church hurt mm-hmm. since they graduated. I see some burnout. I see, yeah. But even even in spite of those things, there's a dissatisfaction because of what they've experienced. Um, there's just like <laughs> you just true. can't you can't accept a norm anymore. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful yeah. for that. I'm so grateful I, I met my wife that was formed in that same environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that we could be on the same page and understand that because it, it, it does it for it forever marked us. And it's exciting because, uh, you know, what happened there um, has translated, like you're saying, into the passion and the call that you have to see, to see that replicated right where you grew up, um, where you still are are eating, drinking, living, worshiping, play, have, you know, that's what your heart now burns for, which is the history of our nation, um, an awakening in new England. Um, That's, that's, so much of what we've seen through Whitfield and, and what, I mean, just, yeah, to sweep through there again. But so share yeah. a little bit, you ended up going, you're saying to a Bible college locally instead of BRSM, which is where I went and met my wife. Where yeah. did you start at? So I started at a school called Zion Bible College. Well, it was Zion Bible Institute, and then they changed it to Zion Bible College. And then it since has changed again, and it's called North Point, and it actually moved locations Um um, actually, um, our brother-in-law, Zach, um, I think he was the last graduating class there before it moved. From Zion, um, And yeah. so it's still, it, yeah, from Barrington, Rhode Island, to now it's in uh, Haverhill, Massachusetts, which is like an okay. hour and 15 minutes from here or something, an hour from here. Um, but it was right down the street. Um, and so, 
I initially um, decided to go there again. It was like really cost effective. Um, sure. To 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 go to Bible College, fifteen minutes away. Um, it was in some like a God school that had a, a great history, um, and I wasn't like one hundred percent convinced that that's where I needed to be. Um, but I mean, it was multiple factors. So my wife and I, we met, you know, obviously in church and we started dating in high school and then she was going to school and outside of Boston and I'm like, okay, so she's an hour away. Yeah. We can still see each other, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and or, then, um, Pensacola, that's not the I, case. no, no, Pensacola is 1400 miles away. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a 24, 24 hour oh, drive straight through, um, uh. And so I, um, and I, but I was feeling like I probably should go there, but I was like, well, let me just like go here first and see what happens, you know? Um, and then of, of course, I mean, I can look back at it and like, if I had a, a if I would say I had a regret is I probably should have gone to Brownsville right away. Um, the, and, but yet at the same time, now where I'm sitting in the seat where I am and seeing what God is doing, there was something else that the Lord was aligning there was a part of my story um, that is so um, powerful because of what God had done in me mm -hmm. um, that I, I mean, it's very possible that he could, that I could be the, the minister I am today because of the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, but yet what I experienced and how the Lord redeemed me and, and um, reconciled relationships in my life because of what I went through uh, there's no way I could minister the same way unless there was something supernatural that the Lord imparted into me. And so what happened was I started going to Zion and um, I, I like, I liked it. Um, I was, uh, you know, at that point um, in our church, I, I would say that I was probably one of the more like out, out, outspoken and charismatic and, Surely you know, not. I just, um, not John no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, it's, and I just felt like the Lord would supernaturally, like he would just give me revelation on scripture, you know, and I'm yeah. like 18, 19, 20 years old. And I'm, I can like, I can understand, um, concepts. The Holy Spirit's like illuminating scripture to me. And it's just like, I, I, I'm already starting to operate in like words of knowledge and affirmation and like, like spiritual giftings are like pouring out of me. And I go to Bible school and, um, and it's, and it was one of those things I got pulled into to the office one day, um, from the Dean of students. And, um, and so was, I just, again, I'm, I was just kind of loud and, and rambunctious, um, some would say even rebellious and, um, we'd be in chapel <laughs> services and I had, we'd be in chapel services, you know, and like, um, everyone would be clapping after someone shared something and I would just keep clapping. Then I would start like hooting and hollering and then other people would join in and would cause some chaos in the room, you know? And, uh, and then they're like, okay, okay, okay. And I would just keep going. And, and so, um, one day I pulled in by the Dean of students and he's like, listen, I don't know why but people are following you <laughs> and, um, and, and, and for some reason, as a freshman, you seem to have a lot of influence upon our body and I can't figure out why, but for whatever the reason is, can you please just try to exercise some self-control because people are listening to you. They're paying attention to you. They're doing what you're doing That's and funny. it's being really disruptive. And, uh, and I'm like, I, so I'm laughing and I'm like, wow, okay. So, I'm somebody right here, you know, and, um, and that's so, what you heard. So that fresh, <laughs> somebody. Yeah, 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 I am somebody. So, um, and then, so, I'm, you know, I'm working a full-time job, going to school full-time 
I was working in food service, and then um, I eventually, my first year goes by, and it, school grades are not doing so hot. Um, my girlfriend at the time, she leaves her school in Boston um, to move to Liberty University to pursue nursing, mm. um, and now she's 12 hours away, so I can't do the, like, three days a week. I leave work at 11 p.m. and drive to Boston for four hours and drive back home for 4 a.m., sleep for two hours, get up, and then go to school. I couldn't I couldn't do that anymore, <laughs> which is what I was doing. Oh, my right? goodness. And so I was, I was literally running myself ragged. Um, and then um, I'm in the, my second year. Over the summertime, I connect with the, um, the head of the kitchen, the chef that was running the kitchen at the school. Um, I had done some service hours in there, and he knew that I could kind of like – I knew my way around the kitchen. So he hires me to be like the assistant chef. So I was responsible for dinner. I would do every other weekend. I'd cook for the whole campus. I had students underneath me now. So now I'm faculty and a student, right? And it's everything's going awesome. Um, and then it all hits the fan. And next thing you know, I find myself down this hole where I'm – I'm, I go from sitting on the back row of an Old Testament survey class to snorting coke off a coffee table. Mm. Um, and and I, everything kind of hits the fan in my life. Um, all this stuff gets exposed. I throw this party um, one day for, and all these kids from the youth group show up and we're sm- I'm smoking pot and we're drinking and there's all this other stuff going on. And of course, the next service at um, night prayer meeting or some uh, Bible study, they all show up and they're all like all at the altar weeping, you know, like mm. we're so bad. And everyone's like, what is going on here? Like John threw a party and this, all this stuff happened. Um, and then it all started to go downhill. Um, and then I get the knock on the door from my girlfriend's father and he's mm. like, yeah, like this is not going to work. Um, I don't want you telling her any, cause I get kicked out of school. I get, I had to step down from all my ministries at the church. Like it literally got everything, all of a sudden, every door closed. Um, and it, it was really messy. I mean, all of our friends were the same friends. We now we're like, kind of like family with each other. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it all falls apart and I get dismissed from school. Um, and so then I start just going on this like hardcore, like drinking binge and just running from the Lord. Well, here's the crazy part too, for all of you, um, people shaking their heads right now saying, how could this have ever happened? <laughs> um, how could someone, this is awful. Um, then the following Sunday I walked into church and one of the deacons walked over to me and he says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I go to church here. <laughs> Um, and he says, what have you come to cause trouble? Mm-hmm. And I, sorry for my language, but I said, F you. And I turned around and walked out of the, of the yeah. foyer. And I said, I'm never coming back here ever again. Now, let me remind you that a week here, I'm in Bible school. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, and it, it all hits the fan. And I had been neglecting my walk with the Lord so severely that the first wave that came knocked me over and I literally could not get back up on my feet. Hmm. Um, and so, and so of course I have to go and have all these meetings and I'm, I was sitting in front of the president of the school and then the pastor of our church. And then, you know, this parent and that parent and this family that I was living at their house and through the party at their house while they were hmm. gone on a missions trip and like all. And so I have to make the rounds and do the apology tour. Um, and then I just, and it was just not going well. I was reaching out to all these men that were leaders in our church, literally begging for them to meet with me um, because I needed someone to like walk this with me. 
Uh, and, and I literally could not get a single person. And after five weeks of trying to reach out to, to leaders, men in our church, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, like men's ministry leaders, like anyone, like, please, I need help. And, um, and finally, one of the deacons replied to my, my phone call. Um, and we went and grabbed the coffee. And we sat down in a Dunkin' Donuts. Um, where I'm from, from every a mile is another Dunkin' Donuts. So we picked of one of them and we sat down and, and <laughs> yeah, we, we sat down at Dunkin' Donuts and everyone, and I mean, literally, it's like the, the world headquarters is right outside of Boston. Um, and uh, we sat down and he gave me this list. Okay, you need to do this, 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 and this. And after you've completed those things, then come back and we'll see what the next step is. Hmm. And I looked at him, I said, I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I just need someone to walk this out with me. Um, and he was like, yeah, I don't know what else to say. And so, um, so I, I left and, and, uh, and I was like, man, you know what? Heck with this. Well, of course, a few months go by and the Lord is like wrecking, like just hounding me. Um, I, and when I looked back at it, I was just, there was so much spiritual warfare. I remember I, I got kicked out of even the place I was living. So I, I had, eventually I was homeless. So I called one of my older brothers up. I'm start sleeping on his couch and when I'm partying and doing all this stuff and, um, and I just, every time I woke up in the morning, I felt more tired than when I went to bed. Hmm. Um, and I just, there was such a battle happening in my soul. And um, so eventually I'm like, you know what, I need to get out of here. So I, I pack up my car um, and I quit my job and I drive from Providence, Rhode Island to Pensacola, Florida. And at that time, my parents had moved down there. They had sold their house in Massachusetts and moved down to Pensacola and started going. My mom started attending Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. Mm. Um, you know, and my dad's, you know, retired. My mom's semi-retired. And they, they were like, you know what? This is just the season the Lord has us in. So I moved down to Pensacola. And then I registered for school and started going to school there. And I'm like, okay, fresh start. Everything's going to be new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I start doing that. And it's awesome. And, like, God is, like, redeeming and restoring my relationship with my girlfriend. And I'm getting plugged back into, like, ministry again. And I'm like, okay, this is good. Like, I can – this is a fresh start. Um, but I didn't actually take care of, like, what was the root causes yeah. For me actually starting to do that stuff in the first place, how could I go from being this quote unquote leader in a Bible school to, to now like, like hanging out at bars and drinking and doing drugs every night? Like I, in that time frame, I OD'd three times, wow. three times, and like unintentionally. And like, how, how did that happen in my life? I had never addressed those issues. So now, but now I've got a fresh start. So I'm at Brownsville loving it like loving it loving it because this is like okay this is like this is who i am um and of course like i'm working and i'm going to school and then literally one year to the week that it happened up here it happens again but it was like i met this guy Hmm. who was very similar to some of the friends i was hanging out with and i'm like oh my gosh i can't go near him there's something about him that's the same yeah. And sure enough, of, of course, I end up hanging out with them. We end up drinking and then the school finds out and, and they were like, um, it was awesome because I said, I'm sitting in the office and I'm like sweating and I'm sitting having the meeting and they're like, so um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to put you on 
um, act, we're going to put you on probation. You're going to have to check in and have accountability. And we're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yes, yes, great, perfect. This is awesome. And I get up and I'm walking out. And the pastor goes, hey, hold on one second. And I turn around. He goes, he's looking through like my folder. And he goes, has this happened before? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. He's like, tell me about it. And I told him what happened a year mm-hmm. earlier. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, this is a pattern. We're going to have to dismiss you. And I was like, oh, so, so they dismissed me. Um, and I have to make the phone call to my girlfriend. And she's like, yeah, I can never do this ever again. We're, we're done and we'll never be together ever again. And that, that's how that wow. ended. And, um, and, and I lose everything again. And I went way off the deep end, even worse than I had before. Um, wow. And now I'm like literally like running from the call of God in my life. Um, and then I, I just, I'll fast forward and spare all the details. Um, it was the last Friday in August, 2003. I think that's like either the 27th or 29th or something. Somehow I ended up back in Brownsville, somewhere God that night. I left work and ended up going to church. I couldn't tell you one word that was preached. I couldn't tell you one song that was sung. Uh, I just remember going to the altar knowing I had to be there. And I turned around and I got up from the altar. I was sort of walking away from the altar and I stopped and I said, Lord, I cannot live another day like this ever again. I cannot wake up tomorrow and not be changed. What is it that I need to do in order to be to for you to to fix in me or to heal in me, whatever you need to do in me? What do I have to do? And clearly he spoke to me and said, Forgive your father. Mm-hmm. And my parents got divorced when I was one and a half. My father was cheating on my mom. My mom got remarried when I was three. So I my stepdad raised me, but there was so much stuff in our family because of what my father had done. And there was so much bitterness and anger and resentment that I was carrying toward him. Wow. And I never even realized that that was that was that was blocking and preventing from the kingdom really coming through my life. Wow. I was carrying so much bitterness, so much resentment, so much anger and unforgiveness toward him. And it just it opened the door to so many other things in my life because I was not walking in who God had called me to be. Um, and it was, you know, wow. my my the gifting, the giftings and the things I knew were inside me were getting me to where I needed to go. But I didn't have the character to stay there. And, um, and, and I would just kept falling over and over again. So I just said, Lord, like, I just took a deep breath and I just, and it was like, these words came out of my mouth. It doesn't matter what he's done, what he's doing or what he's going to do. I forgive him. And the moment that happened, it was like a vat of hot oil poured over my head and I opened my eyes and I went, what have I done? And I realized every person that loved me, I lied to, stole from, Mm. cheated on. And, and it just wrecked me. And then from that point on, for, for weeks, literally, I wept for weeks. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, I set times on my schedule to just meet with the Lord. And he started leading me through a process of deliverance and healing. Um, I re-registered for school. Um, and then I started, and of course, I get into a deliverance in spiritual warfare class with Bill Suddeth. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going through this class and I'm like, oh my gosh this is what the Lord, this is the process the Lord had led me through. Um, and then that November, I received a prophetic word from a pastor from Africa that was staying at my parents' house, spoke a prophetic word over me, and I knew the Lord had called me to be a part of deliverance ministry. I just didn't know how and when. Hmm. Um, I tried to reconcile things with my girlfriend. I called her to apologize. She said, we will never be together ever again. Never. It will never happen. And I called her a few weeks later. and She was, why are you calling me? We're never going to be together. No, I understand. She's like, okay, bye, click. 
and and I, on multiple of those phone calls, but as the Lord was bringing healing into my life, I was like, I think the Lord wants to do something in this. And then that same man who prophesied this thing over me that I knew God had called me into deliverance ministry, um, he gave me also a prophetic word that I actually didn't even remember until I read it this past November, which was huh. um, about you know eight, 18 years later. And the prophetic word said this. Um, your wife's parents will be opposed to your relationship, but the Lord will do a great healing. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't even didn't even remember that part of the word that He gave me, but I wrote it down. Yeah. Um, and so, just the and the, the moral the, the end of that story is a year and a half later, I moved back to New England, um, and then and then six months later, got engaged, and then five months after or a few months after that, um, we got married. Um, we've been married. We'll be married for 17 years in September. Um, and um, and what and what the Lord did in me through that um, is is just I, I am I'm able to minister the way I can minister today because of how I mm. went through that and some of the relationships that I formed when I was there because of when I went to Brownsville. Even though I can say I, I wish I went sooner, because of when I went, there was relationships that were formed sure. um, that that are still. I still have my life today and I see fruit today of even young kids that I was able to pour into after that. I started serving as a youth pastor at a small little church called Grace Assembly of God on Fairview um, Drive mm. uh, and uh, Fairfield Drive in Pensacola. And it was like 60 people in the church and the average age was probably about 70. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but they had a handful, they had a handful of little kids and, and um, a couple of them were preteens that were the pastor's kids. And I started pouring into them. Um, and, and one of them today, he's the, he's the lead pastor of Jesus image church. Oh, wow. And I just had an opportunity to catch back up with him a couple months ago. And he said, um, I would not be in ministry today if it wasn't for you. Um, wow. and so it's just like, I just see how the Lord used that time and what the Lord had established in me. And so of course now I, I, I had to move back to New England after all that. And I was just like, I know I'm supposed to go back to New England and people are like, why are you going to New England? It's so dead up there. And I was like, you can't be, I said, you can't be revived until you've died. And if revival is the most dead place to be, that means they're next in line for revival. And I want to mm. be there to usher it in. So, wow. so, uh, so now I'm here and this is what we're doing. So that is wow. wild. John, so do you feel like you, yeah. you feel like you've been able to, uh, you say that part of your story, you've been able to use to be able to identify and reach people that you couldn't have pre previously. Yeah. And yeah. Is a key yeah. part of it. Like, were you were you thinking about your dad every day, or was it just this bitter root that you've just become accustomed to living with? What was that like? What are what are people right now experiencing no, so, that have gone through that, like you did? Yeah. So so truly, um, I actually didn't have a relationship until I was an adult. So mm. there was a huge abandonment injection thing, um, and um, and then and this is where it really. Um, this is where it really took root in my life. Cause again, I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with them for, for and, until I became like 18, 19 years old, there was no actual relationship. So there was always just like, Oh yeah. Like he's my dad and I really know him that well. And he carried a lot of rejection and stuff. And there's a lot of generational mm -hmm. stuff I can't even get into that I was carrying that I didn't even know was resulting from that yeah that i recognize now um but the the most important thing that where it really started to um to affect me was um when i was 21 it was um christmas time 
you know, or New Year's, and I was meeting with that whole side of the family. We get together to have a New Year's Eve thing together, and at my cousin's house, and um, and my wife at the time, my girlfriend, she needed this like scrapbook of like my whole life, right up until that point. Um, and so I brought it with me to show them because, of course, there's like pictures of them in it, you know. Um, and so I brought it and to show them. And my father opens up the front cover. And now here's the thing. So I'm a twin, but I'm actually a junior. My mm. name is John William Gagney. And it was, I'm supposed to be a junior. My mom didn't put it on the birth certificate because she found out he was cheating on her the day I was born. Oh, my goodness. And, um, and so she never put junior on the birth certificate. So my father opens up. Now I'm 21 years old. He opens the cover of this scrapbook that my wife made me. And it says John William Gagney. He looks at it and he goes, hey, that's my name. And mm -hmm. I took the book. I slammed the cover shut. And I said, let's go. We're out of here. And I walked out. Wow. And it was that moment that really started <clears throat> to just um steal kill and destroy everything trying to do in my life the bitterness and the anger and the resentment someone would mention his name and i would literally fill with rage um be just at the mention of his name um which was not I a mention of your name which is the mention of my name right <laughs> so but it was there was something about it that like wow. i was so enraged um with like how do you not know that like, are you that self-centered and that selfish that you don't even know that I was named after you? Wow. Like, it, I couldn't comprehend it. And it really started to just take pounds of flesh off of me um, in a bad way. You know, it was like it was eating me um, and to the point where, like, it, I was just doing stuff out of straight up rejection and abandonment and, um, and just an orphan spirit, you know. And, um, and so that really really affected that moment like seared in my memory um and so and and then of course when i released him in forgiveness the control that the unforgiveness had in my yeah. life was immediately gone yeah the bitterness and resentment. and then when someone would mention him or when i would think about spending time with him i wouldn't get filled with anger in yeah. fact like i i would i would feel i felt bad for him <laughs> Like he's, he doesn't even know how awful his life has been or is because he's so self-centered. Yeah. And so I would start praying for him and I started walking in that forgiveness and it started shifting everything. So then now how that translates in the ministry, a couple of things. Number one, um, I, I lead all of the inner healing and prophetic ministries of our church. And the, the number one key to healing is forgiveness. Yeah. The Bible says, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. And it says, Jesus says, if you are like this, if you're someone that holds the debt against someone else, my father cannot do anything. And he'll, he'll hand you over to be tormented until the debt is paid. Like the father's hands are tied to actually release healing into your life as long as you're holding bitterness and resentment. Yeah. So this is like a thing that I'm, and I can actually say, and this is what it sounds like. The Lord gave me the language. It doesn't matter what they're doing, what they're going to do, or, or, or what they've done. I forgive them. And you release that forgiveness because I actually can tell them this is exactly what happened to me. And the Lord led me through this process um, to be able so to forgive. Good. 
and how that released the healing in me. And so now when I'm ministering to all these young people, even I've done so much discipleship and so much mentoring and even like coaching soccer teams at the local Christian school. And I'm discipling and mentoring these young kids and they want nothing to do with church. They have horrible relationships with their parents. And it's like they, I can share them with them, my story. And there's a connection there. And now it's like they're graduating college and they're coming home and they're standing, they're worshiping with us in church on a Sunday morning because that, that was, that was imparted into them, you know? So it's great. Yeah, man, that is so powerful. And I, you know, I keep thinking about how unforgiveness and bitterness are so, so closely linked together. And some people don't realize why they're bitter. They don't, they don't actually know that it's linked to unforgiveness. Um, Some do, but, but for God to bring that up in your life to, to receive healing. And I hear Bill Johnson talk about it as he, he would preach more frequently at Bethel. And um, he would talk about how literally some of the people he would meet um, that were the most miserable, most miserable people he was ever around um, were, was because of bitterness. It was because of unforgiveness. Yeah. And uh, he yep. literally saw, he said, I've seen more damage done in people's life from bitterness than even witchcraft. And it just, oh, absolutely. I, mean, it's just, I 100% agree. Oh, how it can just eat your, eat your life from the inside out. And, but man, yep. that is such a powerful testimony, John, of, of what God did in and through you. And, um, I, I'm excited to get into more of the ministries now that the Lord has birthed through you and out of you and that you've been a part of. And um, <laughs> so this is definitely going to be, I knew it. I knew it when we started. This is going to be a part one and a part a two. Multi. This is definitely. <laughs> and uh, so I, what I want to do, if you've got uh, a few minutes, we want to do a couple of rapid yeah. fire um, and then talk, yeah. talk about some generic things as far as uh, just leadership and what you would like to go back and tell yourself, you know, uh, your 22 year old self, but, um, and then come back and, and capture some of those ministry experiences. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want. Okay, that's awesome. It's not my show. <laughs> Christian's going to lead a couple of rapid fires real quick. This is where we just uh, get to know you a little more. Yeah, so this is the part of the, sure. the show. Uh, we call it rapid fire, where the questions uh, get shorter, uh, but the answers probably won't. Sometimes longer. Sometimes longer. <laughs> uh, so, um, I'll keep them short. No, uh, you're good. Uh, so, the first one would be your favorite movie, and the way I frame this is uh, it's a, been a long day. You come home, uh, you turn on the TV, and you're like, oh, blank is on. And it doesn't matter what part of the movie yeah. it is. It's that you're going to sit down, you're going to watch it. What would that movie be? Last of the Mohicans. La- oh, Last of the Mohicans. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah we haven't got I that. Love, I love that movie. The, so- the soundtrack. Come on, it's so so. So good. you I mean, like the soundtrack to it? So yeah, yeah awesome. so there's but there's actually th- uh, we'll give three. I'll just my all time like favorite is Last of the Mohicans because it's an older movie, so I've just seen it many more times. Okay, right, right. so and then and then number two in there might actually be Jurassic Park. I would whistle Ooh, the soundtrack to Jurassic epic. Park so many times, and so. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that's one A, then one B, then one C is Gladiator. Oh, I love those are Gladiator. all incredible soundtracks oh. of movies. So it's I love it. All yeah. amazing soundtracks, and and there's so much redemption. Uh, except in Last of Higgins, I don't know how much redemption is really in it because it literally <laughs> is like two out of the three die, but the only one left standing was adopted by the Mohicans. So there's a spirit of adoption and he, and he it carries on with him. So yeah, awesome. I, can relate, but, I can relate to that. Lord of the Rings has one of the best soundtracks too. And I love that trilogy. Yeah. And I mean, I remember watching, I remember watching that when I was in, I don't even know, middle school, high school. Um, 
But yeah, I love I love Jurassic Park. I love the last Mohegans. There's something about that movie. That's awesome. Um, I just love it. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> so and it was filmed in the Northeast. It was filmed in Pennsylvania and New York. A lot of it. Right. Um, right. And I actually met I met a guy. Um, at a at a culinary training institute um, weekend thing that I did as part of um, some of the work I was doing, and he he was he is a Native American, and his people group were casted as some of the oh, wow. of the village people and some of the scenes and stuff. So there's all because there's a lot of Native American roots here That's um, in New England, of course. But um, yeah, so That's awesome. anyway, good movies. But, yeah. All right, all right, next. <laughs> <laughs> I was just letting you go. I was just letting you have at it. <laughs> Um, uh, go to comfort food. So, similar scenario. Oh, He's not long, from the south. Long day, yeah, long day, long week. Okay. Go for it. it. There's, there's two, there's two things. All right. So, uh, first of all, I'm a foodie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I literally will eat anything, anytime, anywhere. I, I had guinea pig in Peru. Okay. So I will huh. eat anything. All right. So. <laughs> Um, so my, my two favorite comfort foods, uh, well, I actually have three now. All right. So historically it was always Buffalo chicken. Historically. Ooh, buffalo chicken. That's yeah. Buffalo chicken. Bone yeah. And I actually both. Okay. I mm. actually enjoy both. I love bone in. Um, most people don't. So, but I actually have a crazy awesome boneless Buffalo chicken recipe that I make. Mm. Um, and so I love Buffalo chicken, any kind Coming. of Buffalo chicken. Um, so, and then, but I love sushi, like love, 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 okay. love sushi. Mm-hmm. And of course now it's pretty trendy now, but yeah. poke bowls, I don't know how oh, trendy yeah. that is down there, yeah. but yep. there's a place nearby that makes a crazy good poke bowl. Oh my yeah. gosh. And so I could good. literally just every day I could eat every, every for a while. <laughs> When my, when my kids were in school, every Thursday after a deliverance session, I would go and pick up a poke bowl. It was like my Come thing. On. <laughs> you know, so, That's it. Because um, I fast for every one of those. So I, I, it's been like 14, 16 hours since, since yeah. I've eaten. So I'll leave the church. I'll run, grab a poke bowl, and then go pick the kids up from school. So I'm like eating with chopsticks driving down the road. <laughs> they're, so, uh, they're, they're definitely better yeah. along the coast. They're they're okay here in Tennessee, but the further closer you get yeah. to the coast, it's they're definitely way yeah. better. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, well right. I think that's all the rapid fires for this one. And then as we come back and just kind of wrap up this part one, um, John, what, what is something you would go back? What's the one thing you would go back and tell your 22-year-old self based on just what you've shared even today or just anything, really? Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. What would I tell my 22-year-old self? I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I knew so much then. <laughs> Um, what would I tell my 22 year old self? Um, I mean, there's a few things now that I'm looking at what I do. And, um, I, I think that, um, I, I would have given myself permission to not, um, strive to find what box I needed to, to fill. Um, and so this is where my struggle was. I think part of this, there was, there was something I had in the spirit um, and I can, it left a lot of agitation in me and a lot of, I felt very unsatisfied, which may have caught, helped out um, some of, some of the wine of my spirit during that season of Bible college. Um, but I, I was really frustrated that every Bible school class I sat in, I felt like I didn't fit. Hmm. Um, yet I'm being told by like leaders that I'm a leader. But yeah, I'm sitting in these classes and I was really, really struggling with it. Even, and I'll even say, I talked 
talk about Brownsville and my experience at Brownsville, how amazing it was. It wasn't the classroom. Actually, there was, there was two teachers I had that were very influential in my life. But I actually even found myself frustrated in the classes, even at Brownsville. Mm. Um, and because, because what I didn't know then, <laughs> but that I know now because of what I see the Lord doing is that what he was placing inside of me was very opposite or against the flow of what we had known church and ministry to be. So I was being told, you have to figure out which one of these things. Hmm. You have to claim a minor. Okay, so my major was theology. What's your minor? Pastoral ministries. Are you going to be an evangelist? Are you a teacher? Are you a, a missionary? Like, are you a counselor? What are you? And I'm hmm. like, I don't know. I, I can't articulate what I'm feeling inside of me. I, I can't articulate it at all whatsoever. I have no words for it. I just know it's not any of that. Yeah. And so I declared my minor as missions because I didn't know what else to describe it. Hmm. And so I'm sitting in these classes and I'm super frustrated because I'm hearing what they're trying to teach me. But what I'm reading the word and I'm going, I don't see any of this when I'm praying. I don't hear any of this, but this is what you're telling me how I'm supposed to minister and what I'm supposed to be. And I was so frustrated to the point where even at, even at BRSM, there was, there was a class. Oh God, forgive me. There was a mission class and the missionary teaching it was a guy who had planted like 50 churches, started 12 Bible schools, like mm. all around the world. I mean, his resume was like crazy, crazy, crazy good. And he's up there teaching and I literally shout out, you are wrong. <laughs> and he's talking about a particular subject that I'm not going to talk about because it's, you know, um, and, uh, and I stood, I stood up in my seat and I said, you are absolutely wrong. That is not the father's heart. And all of a sudden it's me versus like 53 people, including this guy who is like, I should be honoring and respecting for the mm. work of, that he has done for the Lord. He's like a general. And I'm like, this is not right. This is, I, I was so indignant and so on fire that this was not right than mm. what he was teaching because I didn't know what to do with what I was feeling inside of me. Um, and then the Lord finally released that feeling in me when I was at Brownsville and there was this conference called Anointed for Business. And I'm not going to get into everything that happened during that conference, but um, Mr. Green, the CEO of Hobby Lobby was there. Mm. And he said this one statement and it set me free. He said, um, I am the pastor of my company and I'm just being obedient to the call of God on my life. And the yeah. moment he said that, the Lord asked me a question, will you be a pastor wherever I send you? Mm. And I said, yes. And he said, so go. And I finished that semester in Bible school and never went back. I don't even have a degree. <laughs> I never went back. <clears throat> I never went back. And I was like, I will, I will serve the Lord with excellence, with character, and be a pastor wherever he sends me. And he sent me down this trail that came full circle. And now I am in full-time ministry. And I can tell you what wow. I am doing today. It, I can articulate to you today that what I am doing is exactly what I had felt inside of me, but didn't have words to express it. And I had no one to actually be able to speak that into me and mm. to raise me up. In that. And so that is one of the things that I know that no matter what I'm doing for ministry, there will always be a disciple. I do, I lead deliverance. I facilitate deliverance ministry. And in the session, 
I am actually discipling the client and teaching them the yeah. truth of the word of God and yeah. why they're doing what they're doing and how at worst they're going to leave this session, not just healed and set free, but now they're released to be at worst their own deliverance minister. Because it's like, I, it's like, it's teaching someone and giving them the tools to be able to walk in that freedom and that yeah. anointing. And I, and, and I hadn't, I didn't have anyone in my life to do that. And it left me so angry and frustrated. So, so I good. would just tell myself, like, just hold on, hold on. And this guy, there's a couple of guys. One of them's Richard Crisco. Yeah. Just, just spend as much time as you can with that man because he is a father. Mm. He is a father. Spend as much time as you can with him. And and I spent some time with him. I again, I felt like it's not enough. Um, but I still have that relationship today, though, which is awesome. That's so. awesome. John, thanks so yeah. much for sharing that. It's it's interesting because um, we I've been hearing for the last few years just so many waves of intent, such intentional uber focus on discipleship and and I think it's it's coming yeah. from people that have felt a call of God, have experienced His move, but didn't experience being discipled, and they're oh, like, gosh. "This has got to change. This can't be the story for the next yeah. year. If we're gonna yeah. reach such an void. Yes, such a void. And so I'm so You're glad right. the Lord is doing this, though, just across the globe. Yeah. Um, man, yep. so good. So good. Thanks for sharing that. And that, that wraps up kind of part one uh, today with John Gagne, our guest, um, coming to us straight from Massachusetts. So glad that he's right there uh, calling in. And uh, we're going to end this segment and pick back up with segment two. So hope you will catch that as well. Um, but for now, thanks for joining Coffee and Conversations. Coffee and Conversations.